0: Hey, you're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Jim McCarthy on September 21st, 2020. Jim is the owner of Jim McCarthy Voiceovers, host of the What's Your Problem podcast and co-host of The Rich Redmond Show. And he's actually the voiceover guy for Upbeat. So in the intro and outro, you'll hear his voice when you're listening to this podcast. And in this episode, we talk about Jim's journey of literally finding his voice and making it his career. And we discuss lessons he learned That'll help us be able to do the same kind of thing. You're listening to an Upbeat Rewind featuring Jim McCarthy.
1: This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K.
0: Jim, thank you very much for being on Upbeat. I appreciate it. Oh, no, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. When well, I got to say thanks, too, for your voice over work and for being on my podcast for pretty much every episode from now on, because you are the voice in the intro
1: and the outro, so thank you for that collaboration. Oh, my pleasure again. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> I'm always happy and grateful that people want to hear my voice, so I'll take what I can get.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And also just wanted to give Rich Redmond a shout out to, if he listens into this episode, for being on the show and then connecting
1: you and you and me. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> We just—I was just with him. Uh, we just did four more episodes of his show over the last two days. Nice. And do you guys post once a week? We try for two a week, two uh, a week? but you know, uh, we we kind of ran out of steam with the amount of um, uh, stock that we had built up over time, and then we started doing all the Zoom calls. The Zoom. Zoomified podcasts, if you will, because he was in California and the whole COVID thing kind of got in the way of meeting. And, uh, but, you know, we made it work and we've got uh, another, I don't know, 10, 12 episodes in the can. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody
0: go check it out. That's the Rich Redmond Show, the podcast with Jim McCarthy here and uh, Rich Redmond. Very, very yeah, entertaining very,
1: episodes. Oddly enough, a very difficult last name to say when you're trying to make it stylized, you know, Rich Redmond. Getting that last D in is tough.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Voice over uh, challenges, which I'm sure we'll get into here in this episode too. Uh, But first, I love starting with story and filling in the the listeners with all the information they need or a little bit more helpful information they need to understand who the guests are. So if you could just catch us up, like who is Jim McCarthy? And uh, I guess what kind of led you to where you are now?
1: It all began back in 1993. Oh my gosh. So I was just, I, it's funny. I just told this story today. 1993, I was in college, uh, started getting my, uh, my appetite wet with, uh, radio with the college radio station. Uh, but at the time they said, well, you know, it's a great industry to be a part of the only thing it doesn't pay all that well. So at the time I was like, well, I don't want to not get paid well so what pays well um ended up not completing college going into the family business which at the time was uh telecommunications installing phone systems pulling wire um learning a trade kind of thing uh that ended i I had no interest in really getting into that business so i knew at some point that i would have to make a decision that if i don't like what i'm doing i gotta find something i do like so i went back to radio Uh, And decided, well, you know, even even though it doesn't pay all that well, at least I'll enjoy what I'm doing. So I began to go to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting up in Farmington, Connecticut, and um, started cutting my teeth, uh, learning production techniques, literally back in the day, uh, cutting and splicing tape. That's uh, how I started that that one little uh, skill enabled me to get my foot in the door at my first radio station. But in the meantime, I still had to find my way in. So the thing with my parents, my family business ended, that parlayed into being uh, an electrician's apprentice. So you, at the time, you want to talk about getting up and hating what you do for a living. That was, <laughs> that was the story of my life. And I couldn't wait to get into what I wanted to do. Um, the radio station, and, and it's funny because I own a company right now that does electrical work as a primary source of revenue, which is very interesting. So that turned into me finishing up the schooling at Connecticut School Broadcasting. And then them connecting me to the radio station in my hometown that I swore I would never work for. I never wanted to work for this radio station. They're the ones that ended up giving me my uh, first shot and and cutting my... uh, Teeth in the business um, because they needed quote air quotes a production intern and all right fine let's uh, let's give it a shot and again I talked about that skill before that came in very handy in order for me to get my voice on the air so they had in the beginning they had me recording tags uh, little things on the back of agency produced spots they would they would have a spot that would run. And you would tag information for local stores or whatever. So it could be a, a Best Buy commercial and be like, go see Best Buy on Federal Road in downtown Danbury. You know, that, would, that would be my voice. So that was my way in uh, going up to producing full spots for local clients that they had. Um, the radio station program director at the time heard my voice on the ads that were running. He was very well aware of who I was at that time, but I was still in his eyes perceived as, eh, it's just an intern, part-timer. Literally one night, buddy of mine who I've been, who, who at the time was just a guy I worked with. Uh, he comes running into the production studio. Cause that's something else I would do is hang back after everybody left. And I would then jump into the production director's uh, seat and start learning all the equipment. And um, Matt, my friend, he was on the air. He was filling in for the F for the program director afternoon guy. So they needed someone to fill in for Matt who do, normally had the night shift. And the guy who did overnights wasn't, available so it literally got down to okay who's in the building and i was the only other guy in the building he comes bursting through the door and he says hey you want to be on the air i said yeah you know eventually sometime that would be kind of cool again, he's like no now okay <laughs> oh let's do it and uh, that night was my first night on the air And everything kind of progressed from there. I learned how to do station imaging, uh, producing all the things you hear between the songs, working with the station voice, which at the time was a gentleman named Doug Paul. And he voiced all the big uh, pieces in in between the home of rock and roll, I-95, and all the different zips and zaps and booms and song montages, positioners, all that fun stuff. Uh, I did about three and a half years at that radio station started really wanting to get the itch to uh, move up. And in radio to move up, you got to move around. So that meant, um, you know, going to different markets across the country. uh, I started putting out my resume and demo tape to other radio stations around the country. And, you know, at the time (laughs) I had a 10 minute freaking demo which I would imagine most program directors popped in and the first 20 seconds they stopped it and threw it in the garbage can. But back then I thought, well, how am I going to pack all this amazing stuff I've produced? You know, they got to hear it all. And surely they're going to listen to all 10 minutes and 42 seconds of this (laughs) epic masterpiece I put together. So at some point I kind of realized that wasn't working. I condensed it to a 60 second demo. Hey, here's my imaging demo. Here's some of the stuff I produced. Here's how I sound in productions. Here's an air check. And I would look for those different jobs around the country. Uh, at some point we, I got a, a, a radio station in Las Vegas and Long Island on the table. And I figured, well, Long Island would be, would be kind of cool, but I'm kind of done with this part of the country. This is where I grew up. Vegas would be kind of cool. So talked to the uh, program director there. He flew out to New York for a conference, for a talk radio conference that was happening. I actually drove down and met him, which he was very appreciative of. I went above and beyond to make myself very valuable to him, even producing a st- another demo of updated stuff I had just finished for the radio station where I worked. Uh, And I brought a, um, a disc man at the time and headphones so he could listen to it right then and there. So that really kind of made me stand out. He ended up hiring me. We moved to Vegas. We stayed there from 01 to 05. The person that hired me out there, he ended up moving on to Dallas. So a lot of these things, that was kind of a launching pad to try and get me into larger markets and radio as long as I wanted to stay there. But my wife and I, at the time, we wanted to move back to the East Coast. But at that time, it was just, um, we wanted to make, that's not the Northeast. So uh, somewhere in the South. And we ended up looking at Atlanta. We looked at um, places in North Carolina, Charlotte, and things like that. Nashville popped up. Uh, with a job, and it's funny. I was like, I never really considered Nashville, but hey, well, why not? Get hired there in '05. We moved back to quote the East Coast, uh, which is really just the Southeast, and um, we've been here ever since. I, I worked in radio from '05 to 2013 uh, here in Nashville for two radio stations that were small, family-owned uh, radio stations. They weren't part of the evil empire co- corporations. And because of that, we were always like the top three stations because we had autonomy. We could bob and weave. That was a lot of fun to work for them. Uh, Oddly enough, got out of radio in 2013, took a tangent into the car business of all things. (laughs) And um, well, with a little bit of a hiccup going into the collision business. At that point, it was when I, all throughout this, you asked about voiceover. I had a lot of voiceover clients as side hustles. So a lot of that stuff... I was kind of leading up to saying, man, it would just be nice to focus on one thing and get paid really well for it. So I found that one client, he ended up hiring me. Uh, little did I know he was a fire, happy wonky type boss. The first week I was there, he fired like seven people. (laughs) And, uh, I let all of my, uh, side hustles just kind of wither. You know, I, I just let him go big mistake. Never do that again. And, um, I got into that, that lasted a grand total of two and a half months, uh, made really good money while I was there and we kind of socked it away. And then I truly went into the car business selling cars, um, you know, wondered what the hell I was doing my, with my life for the first two, three months of that until I finally decided to just commit to it. And it is what it is. Let's, let's make the best of it while I'm doing it. And um, that yielded me into a Mercedes dealership where I started learning that brand really, learning how to sell, make it my own voice uh, with the sales fundamentals that I thought I knew, but really the car business taught me. Um, that ended in 2015. I took another job with another company. And at that time, I you know, was looking back upon the mistakes I had made with the side hustles and then started building them back up. I started getting back into, uh, uh, you know, contacting old clients that I had, getting back on their roster, producing videos, anything I could just to up that side hustle income. <clears throat> that company lasted till about uh, March of 2016. But it was another one of these situations where, oh, no, we're letting you go. It's no fault of yours. <laughs> you know, just like the collision business. And, uh, you know, hey, well, last week you were telling me how great I was doing. And, you know, everything was hunky-dory. Yeah, well, you know, we, it changed. So they <laughs> gave me my last paycheck. And I drove home that day and I swore that would never ever work for somebody else again. Unless it was completely leveraged towards me, you know, where I had a lot more to, you know, if I'm going to work for somebody else, it's going to be on my terms. And, um, I've been doing that ever since it's working for me, uh, since 2016. Um, we started another company doing led lighting, oddly enough, but I kind of juggle those two worlds at the moment. Uh, also on the other end, um, being a partner in a very rapidly growing, um, trade company, like a trade management company. We've got an onboarding uh, HVAC type of company. We've got an electrical company as well as uh, LED lighting and and things of that nature. So that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) hope that answers your question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, and there's so much really good information that we could pull from and so many directions that we could go. Mm -hmm. But since this is, you know, largely a, a passion-based podcast and like encouraging people to do the things that they enjoy. Like, I guess, when was it that you really kind of knew that voice was what you wanted? And what was it about radio that just kept, kept reeling you in and kept making you want to continue in that path and then ultimately come back to voiceover work? And also when was like the first time you, like not someone else told you, but like you realized
1: like, dang, I got a good voice. <laughs> like I need to pursue this. Believe it or not, not until about five or six years ago, I started taking my voice really that much seriously. Um, before then I relied, I had, a, I had a different, a bunch of different companies. My first real company was a company called C-Note Spots. And I specialized in uh, reads for a hundred bucks, you know, it could be 30 or 60 second reads. Uh, real quick. I had talent on there that was okay with, you know, I'd, I'd pay them 50. I'd keep 50. If I did the job, I kept all hundred. Um, that ramped up and that's where I, I got a lot of my clients. But I felt at that time in 02, when I started that company that, oh, I gotta, I can't build this on my own voice. I got to have other people in the stable. You know, I didn't have enough confidence in my own voice. Um, it wasn't until yeah about five or six years ago that I really just started you know, understanding how to use my voice to to the best. It took me literally, you know, 10, 15 years to find my voice, if that makes sense. Uh, Cause in radio, I had a lot of experience doing a lot of the radio station uh, commercials for local clients and things of that nature. But I guess really taking it seriously wasn't until five or six years ago. You know, I, I branded myself and put myself out there and, you know, actually got professional coaching from somebody in uh, that those circles and learned different nuances that I was not aware of. You know, it always helps when you hire somebody to see your picture inside the frame. You know, um, and a lot of my the timbre of my voice as I as I aged got deeper and a little bit more um, rustic, I guess you could say. Uh, before then, I had a little bit of a high voice. I mean, not a high voice, but not exactly razor blade deep, like I can somewhat pull off now. But the radio always, as soon as I started really getting into it and understanding it and producing things and, you know, having another skill set, because I'm a drummer as well, like, much like Rich. That's how he and I are connected as well. Having that skill and identity really uh, fed my soul. So here was yet another skill set that was entertainment based and performance based and creative that fed my soul. You know, I really loved going into the radio station and having the challenges that we, you know, having the team environment, um, you know, taking on the the radio station across the street and, you know, just doing all that fun stuff. It was a blast, you know, and, if, you know, like anything else, things kind of play out uh, the industry ins and outs kind of get to you, the, uh, the pay was never, it was kind of on the, it was an industry, it, it was and is an industry on decline. So that's what I kind of got tired of. So I really wanted to find something that was okay on the up and up. So the first half of my working or first part of my working, adult working life was spent um, cutting my teeth, basically, in, a, in an industry that's kind of, you know, faltering right now. But now podcasting, as you well know, is massive, it's huge. So what better way to uh, apply my skill set and all this, these massive years of experience but to put them towards podcast production for people who now want to be radio stars. Now yeah. there's no gatekeepers. Have at it. That's they true. need help. <laughs> but yeah, believe a- you me, they need help. <laughs> <laughs> it was a passion of mine. Just I, I, I still enjoy getting a good piece of copy and getting it in front of me and finding different ways to provide value for the end user. So they, you know, hear different nuances and different ways that may, may have, they may have thought of it one way, but maybe now I tried a different way. They're like, Oh, I never thought of that. You know um, that kind of thing. It still feeds me. I, I was asked uh, about three months ago, well, Hey, you know, if you could have your dream job or dream life, what would it be? I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm kind of living it. So (laughs) yeah, I
0: have no complaints. I'm very grateful. That's awesome. Well, and I want to tackle some of the myths too. Like, you, I think you jumped into some of them in explaining that, but it's hard, man, to like go and do creative jobs like this. Like, there's a lot more that goes into it than people think. And, like, initially, I'm sure when people, when I tell people I'm a beatboxer, like, growing up, people are like, okay, that's kind of cool, but that's never going to amount to anything. Uh, same thing probably goes for you, where you say you're a voiceover agent or voiceover artist or actor, and they probably just go, "What you talk for a living? Like, how does how does that work?" And they don't understand all the work that goes into it. So, what are some of like the myths of being someone in voiceover work?
1: I think a lot. I think honestly, the myths are well, hey, if you do voiceover, uh, you do get paid to talk, and they think that there's a a, a large amount of pay that gets thrown in. Uh, for you just to talk. Uh, a lot of the myths are, well, hey, I've been told I have a good voice. Um, but getting back to the pay aspect, you got to fight for it, you know, because in this day and age, and what, one of the things I talk to other voice talent and generally other creatives is I help them with their sales process and understanding the fundamentals of the road to the sale, uh, follow-up techniques and things of that nature. And I, I coach them on it because a lot of creatives don't know how to sell. They don't know how they don't consider themselves to be salespeople. But if you're running a business, a business, uh, what feeds your business is sales, you know, revenue, new revenue, discovery and creation and generation. So a lot of the legacy talent, uh, the, um, elitist talent, I'll say, uh, really get upset with the new people that are coming on board, you know, because someone told them they have a good voice they hang a shingle on fiverr or upwork or something like that and you know they're lowballing and bringing down the industry's uh, floor in terms of you know the pay level to the floor uh you know working for 5 10 15 20 bucks a read you know to those people that's a lot of money for the time involved to the legacy elitist voiceover talent they're looking at them saying well hey you're dragging down the entire industry i'm sitting here on the sideline going guys you know i'm talking to the elitists here going You have no power in this. There's no use complaining about it. You need to sharpen your sales game. You need to make your client understand. You know, one of the big uh, myths is, well, know your worth. You know, if you use that argument to a client, well, how much you, why are you charging, you know, $250 for a 60 second read? Well, because I know my worth. And that's not good enough for a client to understand. I don't care if you know your worth. I want you to show me what your worth is. Don't tell me, show me, don't tell me. Show me what that worth means. Why is it $250, okay, if you're getting a price objection? And a lot of them really don't understand. They spend a lot of their time on social media sites and Facebook bitching about, you know, newbies coming to the table and how, you know, you need to get professional coaching and a demo first before anything else. Do not go after, don't tell somebody else how to run their business. Because some of these people are actually knocking it out of the park without any any experience or coaching or a professional demo. Some of the myths again are the uh, well, you have to have a profession produced other, you know, by somebody other than you. I've gotten my work most of my career with demos I've produced myself based on real stuff that ran on the air. So. I don't know what you're talking about there, Mr. Alitas, but so those are some of the myths. Um, The, I have a good voice myth is definitely a myth. Um, I've been told I should be a voiceover actor just because you have a good voice does not mean you know how to use it. So yes, there is the case for coaching in that sense. If I think it's a lot more personality driven than voice driven. So if you're a natural ham, I think you could actually have a pretty good go at doing voiceover or some sort of performance art or, you know, acting or something like that. You have to be a ham, you know, and really bring words to life because I've heard people with really great voices that cannot re- read copy for the life of them. That's, that's key. So those are some of the myths that come to mind. Definitely. Well, and just hitting
0: on that last point, like I I actually worked at a radio station for a couple of years. I wasn't doing radio, but I was doing uh, social media for them. And Mm -hmm. that was a whole, we could have a whole other podcast about that. Just a challenge trying to bring digital into something that's more (laughs) traditionally minded, but uh, it was, it was cool. Like I got to radio was very behind the curve. Yes, definitely. And like I got to read uh, some ads on on air and stuff and like I would never been voice taught, but it it was a challenge to bring such a boring script essentially to life. And I think some people can just naturally do that. And some people it's really hard not to sound scripted, but those are a, a bunch of good myths. And I think one of them, I think it might've been the first one you brought up um the, with the elitists and like dragging higher ups down kind of a thing with the Fiverr listings and stuff i feel like that's not just this industry but oh yeah tons of things online these days with graphic designers and and people who build websites and whatever uh there's people who are learning the skills and then charging very little to do it but for them like it it makes sense and for other people they get frustrated And then you mentioned for creatives, it's hard to be a salesman. And I feel like I fall into that category. (laughs) I'm actually like I launched my own podcast production service, not to do intros, outros like yourself, but to do just the editing of their episodes and to help them launch their podcasts and get their podcasts onto the right platforms and stuff. (laughs) Doing that, it's been very hard to find like a pricing structure and very hard to kind of sell myself without like feeling like I'm gouging someone or or like, I'm afraid to, to ask people for money essentially. But um, one thing I was talking about this today with someone else about pricing structure, you brought up the importance of why you charge what you do and being able to break that down versus just being like, I know my worth. And that was the conversation I was having with this gentleman. And he was saying, well, you don't need to explain anything. You're the expert. Find someone who has money tell them, Hey, your, your package is X amount. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, okay, cool. That makes okay. sense. But the other part of me was like, no, I feel like I should explain to them why it's that much. And like, they deserve to know what you're doing. It's just like an honesty thing.
1: I think where you need to begin is identifying the problem that you could solve for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. In one instance, one of my clients is—you know—I I listened to his podcast and he's got a very large following. Uh, I produced an intro and an outro for him. They weren't using the outro, so I was wondering what was going on there. The intro was always being used, but the intro sounded like it was in mono and it sounded muddy. And he would come on and his levels would be all over the place. Sometimes the guest would be—you know—away from the mic and you could barely hear the guy. Um, so I, I approached him and said, "Hey, you listen. You know, there's a." you got a lot of like just little discrepancies happening on your podcast that I could probably fix for you. You know, I, I could master each podcast and make sure that everything sounds good. Everything's uh EQ'd and compressed the right way. You know, your, your intros don't sound as good as they possibly can. They got to sound big and in your face, you know, why don't you just have me, you know, he's like, well, how much i am like, oh, 45 bucks an episode. And to me, you know, I'm looking at 45 bucks. I do them in five minutes. That's how long it takes me. I just got to set up the project tweak everything, pop everything in, hit render, done. Okay. Uh, Sometimes they need me to edit some things out. I'm more than happy to take care of them with that. I'm all about making sure there's value, but identifying, you know, at that, in this particular case, he didn't have an idea that he had a problem. So I pointed it out for him. I said, you know, do you think that these sound as best as they possibly can for the caliber of talent that you are and the people that you're bringing on? Let's make this thing sound like a monster, man. I don't have to tell them how I was doing it. I just identified a problem and told them how I could solve it, you know? And that's, that's a lot. That's the biggest key to sales is you're just figuring out a way you could solve a potential problem for your clients. Generally, most of the time, they don't care how, you know, if they have a price objection, well, how come it's that expensive? Well, I got to do this, 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 and this, and have the trained ear and then stuff like that. And years of experience that got me here. That's why it costs that much.
0: True. And I've heard this argument too, with, uh, people that I know from college and stuff who are professional videographers and photographers, they do weddings and stuff like that. You know, people want to say, Hey, can you come do my wedding for like a hundred bucks? And they're thinking, well, I've been doing this 10 years. And like, I'd spent
1: over three grand on equipment. And yeah, like- I don't care if I'm a <laughs> client. I'm great. But you, I didn't tell you to spend that much money on your equipment. I didn't tell you, you know, I don't care what you spent on schooling. I expect that. I'm, yeah. If you're looking for someone to, you know, to pay a hundred bucks, well, you know, I, I, i revert back to my roots in car sales and say, well, okay, where did you get that number from? Yeah. What makes you think I would do it for, you know, that, what I'm doing, what do you want it to look like? Do you want me there just to do stuff with my phone and, you know, and hand, do hand over the files to you to edit? Or do you want a complete edited video? Oh, I want a complete edited video. Okay. Well, absolutely. Fair enough. Um, typically, you know, I always posture. You know, there's an MSRP and then a price that I'm willing to do it for. So let me explain to you that, you know, per completed minute of video in Nashville averages anywhere from fourteen fifty to, you know, three thousand dollars a minute. Then I stop saying anything, either in person or on the phone. I want to hear how they're gonna react. You know, mm-hmm. you can kind of hear those little nuance like the you know, <laughs> they're processing. I said the good news is I'm not that high. I'm I'm probably a little bit more on the lower end of that because I'm a one man show. I show up, we make sure everything is mic'd up the proper way, make sure that the uh, the pastor is mic'd up uh, and they can pick up the the bride and the groom and everything that they're saying. I'm going to be a fly on the wall. You're not going to notice me. I'm going to have a camera over here to get, you know, still shots that's locked down. I might bring in an assistant to do some other roving shots. I'm going to get all the main parts and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to spend the next 25 hours editing it. So I'm quantifying and saying this is, you know, this is why it costs that much. You know, seeing, look at all the things that you get versus, well,
0: I'm just worth it. <laughs> yeah, I'm worth it. And I spent this much on equipment.
1: Right. This is what you're getting. Look at all the things that you're going to get, you know, for your wedding. Do you really want to skimp or scrimp? Is it a scrimp or skimp? If I you want to skimp. skimp on possibly the biggest thing you're going to go back and watch on one of the biggest days of your life. You now, this is a very important piece to the puzzle, Mr. And Mrs. Customer. Do you really want to, you know, chance it by spending a hundred bucks? You can get it. you can find somebody to do it for a hundred dollars. I guarantee it. but you don't get too excited about the results. Yeah, it's about the yeah. clients,
0: about the results. i I think that's a really important lesson. We haven't talked about that on on this podcast, so that's going to be fire for people to to hear and learn from. What would you say too, just since we're kind of in this niche right now? or niche, whatever way <laughs> we Rich, talked about, the, niche, we talked about that skimp. word with Rich Redmond on the show too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first steps for anyone who wants to just start a, an online business. You know, I feel like that's so common these days mm-hmm. and it's almost essential. Like I would encourage, encourage it. I'm sure you would too. So like online businesses, what are some, or even voiceover in particular, if you want to touch on that too, just like, how can
1: somebody get started? Uh, for voiceover people, I tell them, you know, start out by, you know, taking this, you know, they, the first questions they typically have, what kind of mic should I buy? You know, how do I commit? You can buy all that stuff, but you have a studio in your pocket. If you have one of these, uh, you know, an iPhone or something like that, and it's got a decent microphone on it. The first thing is, is to read something, voice something, listen back. Take notes on how it sounds, then read it again and do that over and over and over again until you start getting better. Um, listen for opportunities in your market. One of the biggest things uh, I talk about in terms of prospecting, if you really want to monetize things on a, on a lower level uh, and get the ball rolling to fund, you know, getting a coach and someone to work with you either myself or somebody else virtually, you know, that kind of thing. And even work towards a professionally produced demo because you should have something for them to listen to um, learn this is actually the utmost importance. I believe this, this uh, industry is shifting to favor people who can produce their own stuff. So learn how to produce your own Content, your own uh, spots, demo spots, spec spots. Learn how to make you know sit your voice in the context of a music bed. How to EQ both of them. You know, start listening to other voiceover talent, other pro- um, pieces of of content and commercials, <clears throat> whether they're on the radio or whatever. Listen to how they're mixed. Listen to how they're um, performed. Um, but you know, as far as voicing, I would say emulate. A lot of talent, and you can go to William Morris Agency. I think it's WMA dot com. Uh, that's something that I used to do when I first started in radio. But back then, we got it on a disc, and it had all these monster voiceover talent for promos and radio imaging and television promos and things of that nature that I would listen to not only to hear the voice styles. But to hear the imaging production, the, you know, the guys who are taking the voice and really bringing it to a whole nother dimension with the, just the production behind it, you know, the filters and stereo uh, channel imaging and all that kind of stuff, just to get ideas of how I can integrate that into my production work for the radio station where I was. But also listening to the nuances of the voiceover talent. I say, pick out somebody you really enjoy listening to in their voice, start emulating them until you find your own voice, you know, and it does take time. Um, but getting back to the prospecting thing, uh, next time you're on hold, listen carefully. You call a company and they put you on hold. If it, is it music? Is it nothing? Is it the receptionist? Is it the, the owner's daughter who sounds like garbage? Um, and one of the best ways I've actually picked up a lot of work is saying, Hey, you know, who handles your messaging on hold when they could take off hold? Well, I don't know. I said, well, it's a service that I offer. i wonder if you guys ever uh, are interested to have a different sounding voice on there uh, or have some some sort of message on there that you have for a captive audience to hear how great your business is and why they're doing business with you. um, Let me know. That's something that I do. Radio is a great prospect field because any radio station these days, especially these days, has got one person doing all of the voicing, typically because I was that guy. And, um, pick up on who, you know, if you hear that voice multiple times throughout the, sp- the, sp- the stop sets on locally produced ads, not meaning like the Home Depots or the Lowe's or these large agency produced ads, look for, you know, listen for the local ones. If you're, if you have production shops, you can actually go and pitch yourself to these local companies and say, Hey, you know, I heard you're out on the radio. What a great subject line in an email to get it open. By the way, I heard your ad on the radio. I went ahead and transcribed it and produced it. Here's a 20 second sample of how I can sound, that kind of thing. You know, that's valuable. That's a lot of value for the client. And, you know, eight times out of 10, they may take you up on it or at least start the conversation. The other thing you can do is also, you know, if people want to get into voiceover, go to a radio station and try on the production director. You know, the guy who's actually producing all the, the, the commercials, understand the guy has got, he's wearing a ton of hats. He's underpaid. He's got a lot of stuff to do and offer your services. I would like to offer my voice to you to read tags, to read, you know, little rip and read type stuff, anything you don't want to do, or you want to vary up the voices on the air. I just need some experience. Okay. I just need, you know, the exchange is you don't have to pay me. I'll be here every Thursday at 2 PM. You can count on that set aside stuff. We'll spend 15 minutes to 20 minutes, just burning through it. All I ask is that you coach me, send me the final product, and let me know when it airs. Because those three virtues, you can then say, I've, I've been heard on the air. I've, I, my voice has been on a broadcast radio station. Those little produced ads can be the beginnings of your demo. Okay? So, there's a lot of little tricks that, you know, not the elites like to talk about. Most of the elites are out there coaching the people coming in. So, they'd rather them get them into their, you know, their, uh, their core to you know, I want, to t- I want to start coaching you and spend, you know, make you spend $3,000 for the coaching and the demo. I'm the, you know, if you're in the beginning, you're just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. There are methods and ways to to get exposure and start getting work, you know? So those are the things I recommend. I was going to ask that too. You kind
0: of alluded to it, but what does it take to, I guess, actually be able to claim that you are a voiceover artist. I know in today's world, we have the ability to just label ourselves whatever we want to. Anybody can just get on and be like, Hey, my name's Parker. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm an entrepreneur now, you know, yeah. I'm a voiceover artist now I'm this now. So what does it take to actually, I guess, consider
1: yourself that? <laughs> I mean, if I go, if someone's coming at me in this, I'm a voiceover talent. Okay. Send me your demo. Uh, okay, you're not really a voiceover talent. <laughs> <clears throat> you're just you're trying to be, you know, and I appreciate that. If you have a demo and I hear it, and you know, it sounds really amateur, yeah, you know, yeah, okay? You know, we're, we're getting there. Um, you do voiceovers. Not sure if it might be a talent at this point, but we're you know we'll keep working on it. I mean, because God knows I sounded like crap at one time. Um, you know, I cringe going back to listening to my stuff. Absolutely cringe. Rich and I actually talked about that. I said, we should actually do a show going back and listening to our early stuff. You know, your demos that you did in Dallas to get to Nashville. Uh, You know, my demo, that my 10 minute long production demo. Oh my gosh, talk about cringe city. We all got to start somewhere, you know? And um, I would say that, you know, anybody who is maybe ongoing getting professionally paid, yeah, you can call yourself a talent. Somebody sees the value in hiring you.
0: Love that. What I wanted to ask too, I'm sure this is on, on everyone's mind listening in, uh, what are some of the f- favorite projects that you've been able to work on? Or maybe some of the ones that probably like most of us would recognize you from, we just don't even know it. <laughs> oh
1: man, favorite projects. I mean, as far as voiceover goes... um Nothing really comes to mind. I'm actually, a lot of the podcast clients, you know, you can hear my voice on Grant Cardone's podcast, on Brad Lee's pod, on Rich's podcast, uh, hearing that stuff played back and knowing that there's, you know, thousands of people hearing that you know, and getting impressed by it. I just had a client today tell me that um, uh, when he had somebody on that was kind of a hoity-toity uh, coach and uh, influencer and they heard the intro I did for him. And, where did you get that done? Yeah. That just floats my boat all day long. Yeah. <laughs> Say my name, bitch. and it's <laughs> one of those things that, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I know where my center is. So the most satisfying thing is hearing back and people appreciating the production prowess that I have learned. It took me 20 years to learn. Now it's getting appreciated and valued at the right rate. So in radio, it wasn't really all that valued because you know we were monkeys to the people that were in management. Typically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <clears throat> you know, anybody no. could do your job you know, that kind of attitude. Yeah,
0: no, I definitely feel that <laughs> from personal no. experience. Uh, what sold me, man, was Brad Lee's podcast, "The Dropping Bombs." <laughs>
1: Dropping bombs. Yeah,
0: yeah, that one was amazing. If you guys, he's, have got, a, a good, he's
1: got a good show
0: he he really does. And if listeners, mm-hmm. if you guys haven't heard that podcast, go check it out and appreciate that intro outro <laughs> because it's amazing. From um, the
1: people who have it to the people who need it. Yep.
0: That's one line he wanted in there. That's a really good line too. Um is there anything else that you wanted to share on the podcast before we kind of close things out here?
1: Uh nothing really comes to mind. I mean, if you uh ever want to hit me up for just to talk or if you need some help with something let me know Jim voiceovers.com. love it and if you ever need any beatboxing man I'm here I'm here
0: <laughs> willing to beatbox of course <laughs> This was challenging. I'm not gonna lie. Uh the talk about radio, trying to avoid like totally bashing it. <laughs> I I enjoyed my experience with radio, but it was it was very challenging to try to
1: bring a digital element. And, and it's funny, the other day I saw on one of the trade websites, um how I guess Entercom, which is formerly CBS, I guess let a bunch of people go. And now all the announcements are coming about how the uh these big jocks in these major markets of you know, so-and-so from New York adds, you know, middays in Tulsa, Oklahoma and Miami and, you know, all these different cities. So they're making them wear more hats because they fired all the other people. And they're looking for cost-cutting measures because it's being cannibalized. You know, they they haven't done a good job trying to stay on top or at least, you know, somewhat behind the curve of the shifting paradigm. Uh, some of the local radio stations have done an okay job, uh, but they don't have the same relevancy that they used to, for sure. Now, people in radio will say all day long, oh, nothing's changed. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> people are listening more and more to Spotify, to Pandora, to podcasts. That has to have eaten into your piece of the pie. Has to. Because I haven't, no. the last time I listened to a radio station, I, I actually honestly I listen to my old radio station Mix 929 if I'm if I've nothing else to listen to. I came back from a shoot in the, the woodlands a couple of weeks ago. I listened to Howard on XM the whole time. Yeah. You know, coming going down there and coming or a podcast. Or yeah, I put music on my phone that oh, you know, I just put a playlist on, hit shuffle and go. Oh, no, I don't like that song. Let me hit the next one. That's it's on demand entertainment. Radio is not they missed the boat. And I, I've i been saying it for years. You guys got to start, you know, the, there are some morning shows and some shows that do it right, uh, that have personality-driven shows that take the breaks, the content breaks, and turn them into podcasts. And how they do, I'm not sure, you know. But now that anybody can be a rock star, if they just put the elbow grease in and do the hard work and really work on their craft, uh, there are no gatekeepers. So you can... You can be the next Joe Rogan. Absolutely. But understand, one thing I will say is that, you know, don't think it's going to happen overnight because it's the noisiest platform out there. It's, you know, podcasting has just gotten really crowded. Uh, and there's, I think on, they just surpassed a million shows on iTunes podcasts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot of shows, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but it took Joe Rogan 13 years to get where he is now. He started in 07, I believe, and he's kept with it diligently week after week, even though when, you know, he knew probably nobody was listening. And eventually he got that first big high profile guest that got him more exposure and the momentum started to, to create, you know, that's one of the things I talked to Rich about. He was like, well, we need more listeners. I, I get that, but it's going to take time. Yeah. It's going to take probably two, three, four years. Yep. That's just the reality. Well, we need to hack that. You hack it by doing it every week consistency. Yeah. There's no hacking that. But yep. I think he's call, he's actually calling in right now. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
0: I would love to wrap this up. I've got a last little segment with some fun questions that I call the sure. upbeat seats that you also did a voice read for. <laughs> got to figure out how to work that in here. But um, it, it, are you cool if we run through those questions real quick? Of course. Absolutely.
1: Jim, what makes you upbeat? What makes me upbeat? I'm able to get up every day and take a breath. That is one big reason to be upbeat.
0: Love it. Uh, who is your number one influence or inspiration?
1: Oh man, I, you know I'm going to say my wife. She does. She under the circumstances as of late, she's really just risen up and uh, gotten uncomfortable with a lot of different things. And I like it when people get uncomfortable because it means that you grow. Um, and I'm a big fan of Chuck. I, I love everything that he says, and he makes a lot of sense. Love and Gary i I'm, I'm kind of, honestly, my own inspiration. I'm joking.
0: I'm <laughs> uh, what music do you listen to to stay upbeat
1: and motivated? I've been listening to Anthrax lately, like revisiting my roots of metal. Uh, I've, I was <laughs> my son and I were coming back from his baseball game, and I was blasting Pantera all the way up to uh, where we're, we're actually camping this week, and I'm kind of bouncing between the uh, site, which is in Nashville, and my house. Uh, and uh, <laughs> he was just looking at me like, what is this crap? <laughs> like This is stuff I used to listen to, man. You know, Megadeth and Anthrax <laughs> and all that fun stuff. That really does get me going, though. Awesome. Uh,
0: what is your favorite word? Trepidatious. Trepidatious.
1: I don't, even, yeah. I don't even think I've heard of that. What is that? When you feel trepidatious about something, it's worrisome. Uh, something about it's bothering you. I don't know why that word came to mind, but it just did. It's a fun word to say. Do you have the, a... my my most unfavorite word is regularly because it's a it's a trick to say in voiceover, and I've been getting a lot getting it a lot in scripts as of late. <laughs>
0: um, what is your favorite TV show right now? Hmm, what is it?
1: The Office has been for years. I go. I go back to old standards, man. I, I'm like, what's comfortable to watch? Put on The Office. That's yeah. always fun. That leads to a new question: Who's your favorite character on The Office? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dwight or um, Kevin.
0: I was gonna say it better not be Jim, because that's that's your name. So uh, how are you forgetting um. Jim right now? <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, favorite social media platform and where people can connect with you.
1: I'm always known on the handles as at Jim McCarthy V O S, um, but my favorite one lately. I've been I've really enjoying uh, TikTok. It's awesome, fun. just kind of a little bit of escape and watching. It's really incredible to see how creative people are. Definitely, I love TikTok.
0: Well, sweet Jim, thanks again for being on Upbeats as per usual on this podcast. I'm going to close it out by beatboxing your name real quick. Sure. And it might cut out over Zoom. It's been doing that lately. <laughs> but <laughs> cool. I'm recording it over here so you, you can hear it in full later, I guess. <laughs> nice. Jim Jim McCarthy.
1: Nice. <laughs> Are you doing those and putting them on TikTok and stuff? I need to be. <laughs> yes. Dude. I mean, because eventually, you know, put out a call to action and have people, you know, just beatbox their names just like you did and put them on. Oh, you'd be huge. <laughs> yeah. You'd be huge. I got to do that
0: for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah uh, I, come up, I come up with a lot of good ideas. Trouble is most of them suck. <laughs> that one hopefully doesn't suck though. I'm going to, cause I'm going to try it. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I think, you know, um, give me a name and I'll beatbox your name and have somebody in the comments, do my name. And then the next next video you do is their name and you tag them in it and off you go. And booyah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That was very impressive.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim.
1: This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Subscribe at ParkerK.co.